The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keslowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boutique Penske cars crash. Caution is on the speedway. The winner of the 63rd running of the Daytona 500 is indeed Michael McDowell. Could we be seeing two first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series to kick off the season? Checkered flag is waving at the start-finish line, and Christopher Bell is a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. The second win in his career, William Byron scores the win here tonight at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Awesome job! Awesome job, guys. Kyle Larson down the Nellis straightaway. What an afternoon for the five. He wins in the Pennzoil 400 in dominating style. Here he comes up off of turn number four. Checkered flag in the air. Five races in 2021. Five different winners to start off the season. Truex wins. Here's Ryan Blaney making a statement today. A great run and a lot of patience this afternoon. Ryan Blaney wins the Folds of Honor QT500. Joey Logano will be the first driver in a half century to win on dirt in NASCAR's Cup Series as he wins the Food City Dirt Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now seven races, seven different faces in victory lane. Hi, everyone, and welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Marty Sider, Nate Ryan, the mayor, Jeff Burton, joining you today. Off of that, seven winners in the first seven races. Ready to get the cup season cranked back up this weekend at Martinsville. Jeff's home racetrack, by the way. Yes. So, I, know, I, know I know you're fired up. Always a good race for, for you. Wasn't it? For the Burton family, always look a family reunion there. We only won one there, so it wasn't always a good race. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to that point of the video, seven races, seven different winners. Eight races this weekend. Uh, will we have a different one, Mr. Mayor, this weekend? What do you think? Will we have an eighth winner? In Why not? Races? Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it, <laughs> let's just keep it rolling. Chase Elliott. Chase, Chase Elliott. All right. You know, he hasn't he hasn't won so far this year. They're needing a, I think they're needing a big week, you know, to get their momentum kind of going. Uh, so, you know, you know, I, I think Chase Elliott, you have to put him in a list of guys that can win the race at Martinsville. They haven't won this year. Let's keep it going so we can keep having this conversation whether we have 17 <laughs> winners or not, right, before the playoffs. But, Nate, be- I, I love what Joey Logano said immediately after the Bristol race. He goes, oh, starting to get worried. Six races, six winners. I mean, I think these drivers are really thinking about this. They say they don't. I think. Yeah, they do. no, th- no, the wheels are turning, and I think they admit it. And I think there will definitely be eight for eight. I mean, like Jeff yeah. says, why not? I mean, I love chaos. I think NASCAR is always <laughs> better when there's chaos. So uh, the more kind of, like, un- you know, unpredictability you can have there, the better. And uh, I think they're, you know, I was just looking at my fantasy lineup. Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, the aforementioned Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch. All of those guys could win this race, and none of those guys have won this year. To that, to that point, Nate, I think there's too many drivers who are really good at Martinsville who have not won. You get Denny Hamlin in that group, you know, like he mentioned, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott. So to me, I mean, it screams that there would be an eighth different winner. And uh, then you got Talladega coming up soon as well. 
You know what? You know, <laughs> can keep going. You know what's fascinating about this year? We, obviously, we're talking about Martinsville because it's coming up in a few days. But who is the best driver this year? Hmm. Who's the guy? Hmm. Like who? Who is the team? Who's the guy? Like I. I well, really would argue Denny point. Hamlin, correct? Yeah, but no you, win. You got to win. Eventually, you got to win. Like to me, yes, I think stats say Denny Hamlin, right? But. No one has just yeah. dominated. Like, I think it's yeah. still wide open. So going to a place like Martinsville, that's, we're going back and looking at history. Like, my first instinct is normally, who's the guy right now? Mm -hmm. Who's running well now? Mm -hmm. But instead, we're going back and saying, well, this guy ran well there. He ran there. Rather than saying, well, this guy's won three of the first eight or whatever, we're not having those conversations. It's a different kind of year. And we're also trying to apply it to a schedule that's radically different than what we're accustomed to. And, you know, not just with, like, new racetracks like, you know, Road America. Obviously, it's coming up. Bristol Dirt Race just happened. But the way the, the races are positioned is different. I mean, this is a little bit earlier, I think, than Martinsville was last year. Um, I, you know, Talladega is a little bit earlier. I mean, everything is just, it just feels, everything feels different. Everything feels like, you know, to Jeff's point, trying to go off history this year with drivers and racetracks, I think is really difficult. So it's a perennial topic. I mean, it always comes up every year until they finally get the first repeat winner, right? But is there some legitimacy, Nate, to there being more parity then, to Jeff's point? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, there's been this talk about the, the impact that the parts freeze that NASCAR Institute has had and the, the R&D being limited in terms of wind tunnel testing. Uh, I had Jerry Freeze, the general manager of Front Row Motorsports on the NASCAR NBC podcast this week, and that's what he pointed to. He said that a lot of this is the suspension components that the big teams would get ahead of us on that they can't really get ahead of us on now. And you know, by the time like a team like Front Row would catch up, they would not be able to have what the new teams had. And now I think it's, it's telling, you know, Michael McDowell wins the Daytona 500, and obviously you know, that's an X-factor race, to your point, Marty, the way Talladega is. But the, the fact that he's 12th in points, had the sixth place at Homestead Miami Speedway, uh, I think that really speaks to there being a playing field that feels more level than it has been a long time. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great point. I, and I think that's what, I think NASCAR is looking at that and loving it. I think NASCAR, uh, you know, think about a new car coming for next year. Right, where a lot of people will have the same components. Not every component will be, you know, complete 100% the same, but there's going to be a lot of common components. It's part of the reason they want to do it is that they want the ability for, for every team to have kind of the same opportunity. Then you have to take what you got and make the best of it. So if, if what NASCAR is looking for is more parity and more opportunity for more people, this parts free situation is giving them a look into the future. And I think when they look into it, I think they're liking what they see. That's an interesting deep dive into it. And in a playoff format, I think parity's a terrific thing for the sport. Fair to say? I mean, I think, it, I think it, it leads to more unknowns when you get to those final 10 races. Yeah, especially when you've got, what, six races with six different winners and the possibility of all these guys who haven't won yet. And, you know, some people we're going to have on the show today who haven't won yet. Ricky Stenhouse mm -hmm. Jr. finishing second at the Bristol Dirt Race. He's run well outside of Bristol as well. I mean, Jeff said it on the podcast a few weeks ago that if, if we had like maybe two or three more winners, like, say, a Christopher Bell or a Mike McDowell, you feel like we could get a situation where uh, we might have more than 16 winners in the regular season. It's unlikely. Yeah. It's unlikely, but it could happen because of the because of the racetracks. I mean, there's so many different things going on this year. Um, that to me is it's unlikely, but it could happen. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a crazy year. I, you know, when I just step back. And think about this year, like, you know, why is there so much parity? It's great that it's so much parity, but your question was, is parity a great thing in the playoffs? I don't know. I think, I think part of hating the Lakers because they won so much, 
the Red Sox, I'm sorry, the Yankees. Yeah. You know, like there's, you know, Carolina Duke. Right. Like part of, you know, pulling against somebody, that's sports. I mean, it's 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 okay. It's sports. It's not how we should live our life every day, but in sports, right. it's okay to pull against somebody. And when somebody is dominating, they tend to get more people that don't like them. And that there's something about that that's special too. And we don't want to lose that with so much parity that we don't have the, you know, the 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 people at the top of the of the rung that everybody wants to knock off. But it allows the Michael McDowell to win at Daytona. It allows Michael McDowell to finish six at Miami. So it allows for those things. And maybe in the playoffs, who knows? Maybe it allows someone to advance to the next round that, you know, can kind of be an underdog story, which I think everybody loves. So Nate teased it. We will have on the show today Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He'll be joining us shortly, as well as Graham Rahal. Big test at Indy coming up tomorrow and on Friday as well. And Ricky Carmichael to preview Atlanta Supercross. So all of that. Those guys calling in, but to start off the calls today, our buddy Marvin from Ohio will call in and join us here. Marvin, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing really well, guys. It's nice to be on uh, P1 for exchange. Sorry to ask Carl <laughs> for taking a spot. Yeah, exactly. What you got, man? Well, I got a question for you guys. Since we're going to be uh, having the NASCAR version of the Royal Rumble for the Xfinity guys, who out of the Xfinity uh, Series drivers do you think has a chance of winning on Friday night? Ooh, that's a good one. Very interesting question because I don't, I don't honestly know. Xfinity running Martinsville twice this year, and then having the Friday night tilt. The weather looks good for Friday night, not so great for Saturday night. We'll see what happens. But uh, what do you think, Jeff? I don't know. You know, Martinsville is one of those tracks that changes so much. Uh, I have to remember, uh, Harrison won the Martinsville race later last year, kind of yep. in dominating fashion. But that was the first time they'd been there in a long time, and I think a lot of other teams learned. Mm-hmm. you know, a great deal. And they, a lot of other teams will come back with a lot of speed. I, I will say this. I think one guy you got to watch for that won't come on the top of many people's list is Josh Berry. Mm. Wow. Uh, he has tons of laps Yep. at Martinsville and late mile stock cars. He's been going to racetracks. He doesn't get the practice on. He doesn't yep. get much track time. Here's a racetrack. He finally gets to walk in the gate and do, I know where the restroom is, right? <laughs> right. Like he literally knows where he's going this week. Yeah. And I and people don't recognize how big of a disadvantage that is. Him being able to go to Martinsville this week, a track he knows. I know it's a completely different kind of car, right? But still, I think that that's he's going to feel like he has an advantage, and that's the first time he can say that he's going to a racetrack that he may have more experience than a lot of people that he's racing against. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I thought Maya would run well there last fall in, in the RCR car, and he didn't, but he ran so well on the truck. So maybe it'll be a little bit of a learning. Uh, curve for Josh, who knows, because he has all those same late model laps that, that Josh has. So, And, I mean, Harrison had that kind of experience at Martinsville as well, right, running the late model race? Well, no, he, ne- he never oh, ran he a late model, model race there. Late no. model really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. He ran yeah. super late model, so he never ran more. Different world. Huh. But yeah. he did run. He ran a lot of truck races there. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, if I had to pick somebody, I, I, I obviously I'd go with Harrison Burton because this track is really good to Virginians and he's got the most recent <laughs> win there. But with, with there being the limited sample size, with this being only the second race in 15 years, I would look at guys who did well in the truck series. And mm-hmm. I think Noah Gregson has won in a truck yep. at yep. Martinsville. Yep. So he'd probably he's be one well. of the guys on my list. To me, the pick is easy, even though I would like to pick my son and your son. But I, I would pick A.J. Allmendinger because he loved good this pick. place in pick. the cup car. He's and I remember second. talking to him a few weeks ago, maybe before one of our IMSA races, and he was like, that's the race I'm looking forward to is Martinsville because I know I know how to get around that place. And that was a place he loved in the cup car. Remember, he almost won a race there a number of years ago in the cup car. I mean, he ran up front all day long. 
I think he'll be he'll be certainly a factor Friday night. He ran though he ran well there in this last year as well. They had a mm-hmm. I believe they had a left rear or right rear tire. Yeah, that's go right. Down. They had a tire go and, down. And, but he ran well there last year as well. Yeah, so I think it's going to be an interesting race and certainly one that I'm looking forward to. So another thing happening this weekend is the Masters. Obviously, the first PGA major of the year. I always love it when we get to go to Augusta and get to see the sights from there. So that brought up a terrific question that led to an amazing debate on email between the three of us and our producer, Aaron. What are the four NASCAR crown jewel races? And, and to me, I think the conversation has changed. So I would love, Jeff, for you to, to take off with that because I think, I, I think now that the championship race is involved, it's a completely different conversation than it was 10 years ago. I agree. Can we agree on three? Can we just yeah, go ahead yeah. and there's, say, there's three obvious ones. The Daytona yeah. 500, okay. the Southern 500 at Darlington, the Coke 600 at Charlotte. Can we okay. agree that those, those are in. three yeah. of the four? But I, we can agree on that. I don't know that that's I – I wouldn't put them in that order necessarily. Because okay, I think okay, the championship no race is higher. Than okay, that. I wouldn't put them in okay, order. Okay. I just was – those three races. Yes, I agree on those three. Are we fair? Are we, can we go there? Did you just say you're going to put the championship race above those three? No, no, oh, okay. above the Coke 600. Okay, all right. I would put the even that. Like, I'm not sure. Well, we we can get what? to that in a minute. No. Yeah, I, I, so, yeah. so, but to your point, to your point, what's the fourth? What's the fourth? And I think a lot of people have said Indy. I disagree with Indy because I think when we go to the Brickyard, we're guests there. Like that's some other people made history at the Brickyard. Mm-hmm. AJ Foyt, Mario Andre, that's their place. So I never put that in our top four because I think we're guests there. I think we're visitors all running on somebody else's co- coattail. That's the way I feel. To me, the last race of the year, Phoenix now used to be Homestead. Mm-hmm. I think that has to be one of the crown jewel events. And I also Great. think that what other sport has their championship, with the exception of auto racing, has their championship event not the biggest event? And that's, yeah. that's very true. Motorsports Which is really why I haven't ranked high. Way. And it's almost every motorsport. That's right. True. It's not just NASCAR. It's almost every motorsport. Think about, you know, F1. You can yeah. think of, I'll go down the list, right? The car, yeah. But, but to me, in today's world, you have to put what is now Phoenix. A few years from now, it may be something else. Yeah. I think you have to put that last race of year as one of the crown jewels. I can tell I'm going to get outvoted here, but it's not on my list. And the, wow. my problem is, it, is there's a we major... We agree on so much. <laughs> well, okay, here's my question to both of you. Like, Answer me this one. There's a huge caveat with this, which is when the championship race is won by the champion, yes, it feels like it's one of the four majors. But And, and there's never been a scenario when a driver outside of the championship four has won it. But if, say, you know, last year, Harvick would have won the championship race, would it have mm-hmm. still felt like a major? To me, it's still I, a big it's event. It's not a major. Still, it feels big. So what's your race? To me? It's, uh, I would probably go with the Bristol Night Race. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I like the Bristol Night Race. Because that's I one where, where guys get out and they win that race. You, you can tell there's a lot of emotion in it, and you can tell that they feel like they've done something that's not just, you know, in the, the spectacle of all these 160,000 people screaming and the lights on, it's also physically hard to do. It does feel big, too. It's and a it, big event. Yeah, exactly. You know, grandstands stretching up into the heavens, it, it feels like it's a really big, like I said, spectacle. Um, so that would probably be number one on my list. I agree with Jeff. Like, I think the Brickyard moving to the road course, um, it doesn't have the same luster that it once did. Um, you know, Brad Kozlowski said today that, and I think this could be a possibility as well, maybe driver opinion, 
here. Uh, he put the all-star race as, as he called it a fringe major. Yeah. And the million dollar payday might have something to do with that. Oh, it's it, a big event. It's yeah. a big event. I just, I can't put it in a, you know, I couldn't, I can't put it as one of the, you know, the top four, but it is, it is a big event. But see, to, Nate, to my point, that would be like saying, what if some underdog wins the Daytona 500, all of a sudden it loses its value. But it's still the biggest race of the year. I, I understand that. But that yeah. you you made my own point. And that that's the, it is the biggest race of the year because of its stature going into it. doesn't matter who wins it at the end of the day. Here's the difference. The season I love finale, our debates, the, by the way. The season yeah. finale <laughs> is, is in your top four because of its position and because of what it means yes. for the championship. Yes. If a non-championship driver wins the race, it it changes, uh, you know, the, the calculus there. It's it's different when it's the biggest race of the year as the season opener, Daytona 500. That's a standalone thing. The Phoenix is predicated on the playoff, on the championship four. It's it's different. I feel like life. we should be on a Sunday show. Well, I, I, but, I, but I so I, to counter <laughs> to counter to counter that. Here's here's what I here's what I'll say to counter that. Even if a guy wins a race and he doesn't win a championship, right? He's eighth in points. And he wins a race. It's still a huge race because it still determines the champion. So even if the champion finished second, that race still determined who our champion is. Who is a champion for this sport? So whether he wins it or not, I can go through and I can list the winners of the Southern 500. I can list the winners of the Coca-Cola 600. Mm -hmm. And I can say, okay, how many in here are underdog winners, right? Not many. Daytona 500, there's several that I could say, well, yeah, you wouldn't expect them to win that race. When you go to that championship race, even if the guy doesn't win it, he won the championship, and there's going to be almost no one that wins the championship that you say, that guy just doesn't deserve to win a championship. Mm -hmm. So that's why, I put, that's why I put the last race of the year as a crown jewel because he is the deserving champion. And he did it however he did it, where he finished second, third, fourth, whatever he had to do, he won the championship. And that, to me, makes that race so big. And it's be hard to call it, I hate to use this word, be hard to call it a fluke, right? right. It'd be hard to have a fluke winner who be the champion. So, Nate, not to discredit your point, because I love your Bristol point. And I, yeah, that yeah. does, to me, feel like yeah. a very large event. So let's look at it from an inside baseball standpoint. You're a crew chief. What are the four races you put the most work into? Yeah. I mean, Daytona 500 right. is going to be in there. The Southern 500 is going to be in there. The Coca-Cola 600 and the championship race. Teams, if you're in the playoffs, you start working on this year, Phoenix. You'll start working on that in August. You'll start thinking about that race. Bristol Night Race, you probably thought about it a week or two before, and that's pretty much it. So, yeah. that, no, I mean, that's a, a very fair point. What Jeff just said kind of drove that home as well, that that is a very difficult race to win. And the reason that the four championship cars run up front is because, to your point, Marty, everybody is bringing their best stuff. Everybody is at a higher level than they are probably at any point in the regular season. All those points are well made. I'd have to concede, yes, like winning that race is a big deal. But, but again, like if you have somebody outside the championship, well, we're not going to change your mind, are we? No, you're not going to change. Well, yeah. listen, I don't know. But I feel like we did win an argument. I, feel like I, I, don't, I don't know a driver that would give up a trophy, right? Say, all right, I'm going to give you this trophy and get this in return. Mm -hmm. Because whatever trophy you earn, it has a story to it. It has a personality. It has a story to it, right? That race has a story. Correct. How you that got race. It. That right. race and what that trophy represents. So I never won the Daytona 500. I really, really, really wish I had won the Daytona 500. 
but I wouldn't give up any trophy I got or race to exchange it for the Daytona 500. Hmm. However, there are races that drivers say, definitely want to win this race. Daytona 500 is one of them. Southern 500 is one of them. Coca-Cola 600. Bristol is one of them. Yeah. Right? right. And if you're in that final four, clearly the championship race is one of them. But, I go back but, to the start-finish line interview I had with Harvick last year. I mean, he was so excited to win the Bristol night race. I mean, that, that, that race meant everything right. to him. You could right. tell. Yeah, I saw, and you can I mean, tell the difference. Kozlowski and Logano, same thing. Like they get out and they're you know this soaking mess mm -hmm. of sweat and three and a half hours of running under the lights and yeah. you know, banging your way through. It's it means a lot. You it's a tell. battle, man. It's, yeah. it's a battle. This was a fun debate. We should do this more. You know, the email <laughs> debate was fun, but this was better on the air. So, uh, hey, yesterday on the Dale Junior Download, they announced Lost Speedway season two coming back. You make sure. You want to catch that right here on Peacock. They'll also Dale announced it on Twitter as well. And speaking of the Dale Jr. Download, the guest this week, Dick Bergeron. Here's a preview of the Dale Jr. Download. Were there ever times when you're like, oh, I don't want to go talk to that guy? <laughs> yeah, your father. Really? Oh, oh my oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a crash. I want to talk to your father. Go get Earnhardt. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> he, he's not going to want to talk to us. He, he messed with me. Uh, and the last time I interviewed him, he messed with me. Practice ends. And I've got Pam Miller in my ear. She was the pit producer. Mm -hmm. She says, we need Earnhardt. I said, he's talking to his crew. Leave him alone. We, we need him now. We're going to go off air pretty soon. I said, Pam, I, ha I can't. I can't. I can't bug him. I can't. She says, you got to get Earnhardt. You understand? You need an interview with Dale Earnhardt. We need it now. Go get it. And just at that moment, the conversation with the crew broke up. So I, I think I can get it. I hit my talk back. I think I can get it. I went over and I said, Dale, have you got a moment? What, now? Right now? And I knew it was over. I knew he wasn't going to talk to me. Within a half a second, he had me by the elbow and spun me around. He said, how about now? <laughs> <laughs> so we got the interview. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's going to be a two-lap dash to the finish. It'll be a single-file restart. Got a shot. That's all we have for. Four at the moment. Four. Great, great, great. Great, great, great. 
Here comes Stenhouse, Truex up to the top of the racetrack. He slides wide. Stenhouse is third. He's to the inside of Hamlin. He may be second momentarily. You gotta wonder if another few laps, what might have happened for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's definitely closing on Joey. Joey Logano takes the checkered flag. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is your runner-up. Good job there, RFK. Dang it, boys. Dang it. Good job. Good job. Great job, boys. Keep hammering, boys. Oh, that was fun to watch Ricky Stenhouse Jr. nearly win the dirt race at Bristol. And welcome in the driver for JTG, Darty Racing, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are y'all? It's nice to I, see you again. We're great. Yeah, it was fun to relive that. I had in my notes to ask you if you had five more laps, would you have won? I'm going to back that down, Stenhouse. If you had three laps, would you have won that race, you think? I think I'd have taken two. Our car is really good. <laughs> on the long run and you know i felt like i'd saved my tires really well and, and kind of went at the right time um you know obviously we got into fourth there and i was like just praying for a caution and and we got one just was you know hoping sooner than, than when we uh than when we got it but all in all it was a great day for us uh like i said our Kroger camaro got better and better as the race went on uh, obviously, we set it up during practice, knowing that the track was going to get kind of back like conditions at practice. Uh, so we struggled at the beginning, but uh, knew we'd be good late. So, Ricky, you've now started the year with six finishes between 11th and 18th. I know you probably would like to have, a, you know, a, a top 10 before you got the, the second place at Bristol. But that consistency married with the second place at Bristol has you top 15 in points. Was consistency something you guys had focused on prior to the 2021 season, and or is it just it kind of just worked out that way? No, that's that's all we focused on. You know, I got with the guys this off season, and you know, we got kind of talked over last year, and you know, we had a lot of high points last year, but we also had a lot of low points, and and they were from all different reasons. You know, self inflicted, getting caught up in in issues uh, that that we had nothing to do with, but in the end result, um, you know, it wasn't very good. So. We went into to Daytona, you know, saying, hey, let's start the year. Let's not do anything spectacular, but let's not do anything, you know, catastrophic. And so we've just been plugging away. Like you said, those it'd be nice to have those 11th and 12th, um, you know, be top 10. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we set out a goal to be consistent. And, and that's what we've been doing so far. And uh, that's, you know, preparing the race cars at the shop and then, you know, doing our parts on pit road. Uh, on the racetrack, not making mistakes, and uh, everything's clicking really good right now. Hey, Rick, I'm gonna be rude, and I'm gonna jump in front of these guys, and I'm gonna ask you two questions because <laughs> I, <laughs> I gotta know about the visibility at Bristol. I, I just want to know what that was like. It was tough. Um, I've ran on dirt tracks that were uh, worse visibility than that, so I, I guess I didn't really complain a whole lot. Uh, I was really, um, you know, all for the single file restart. You know, dirt racing, as long as I've been doing it, when, you know, most of the time we have double file restart. And, you know, when one lane is, you know, you know, way better than the other or track conditions, just the way everything worked out, um, you know, I was I was all for going to, to single file restarts. I think it was the same for everybody and obviously let us all race a little bit better. So it was tough. Uh, definitely uh, glad that we kept pretty good track position all day. That, that definitely helped all right, so I'm going to move you back forward where where uh, where Nate had you. I drove I drove you back to Bristol, <laughs> but um, so can this team make the playoffs if you don't win a race? I think we can. It's going to be tough, though. I mean, obviously, there's 
some really good teams and, and drivers right there, you know, kind of around us. Uh, but I think if we stick to our game plan and, and be consistent like we have been, we've been closing on the cars in front of us that really had, a, a I would say, a head start um, down in Daytona. We did not have the Daytona that we normally do. We, we didn't get many state, we didn't get any stage points and just kind of had an average finish. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like we were behind as far as stage points go. Uh, but our consistency, you know, we've got more points than what we had last year at this time. And, um, you know, we're a lot happier with what we're doing. So we're just going to keep plugging away, keep doing the, the things that we do. And, and we know that, you know, for the most part, if you average a, you know, 14 and a half, 15th place finish, uh, you're going to have a really good shot to make the playoffs. And, and that's something we've been focused on. I do think there's some really good tracks for us to, you know, maybe go get a win. But, you know, we're, we're focused on consistency. Hey, uh, Ricky, that off-season meeting that you guys had to kind of regroup, uh, you referenced after Bristol that you also had, you know, challenged yourself to do some things behind the wheel and uh, off the racetrack to prepare. What have you done personally to improve your performance this year? Well, for me, off the racetrack, you know, just looking at SMT data a lot more, re-watching races more. You know, I did a little bit of that, but I wouldn't say that I really dove, you know, super deep into it. Um, I've always been kind of a just you know, go off a fill and, and jump in the car and, and, and roll with it. But, um, you know, making sure that, you know, Brian and I are on the same page, really talking over, um, you know, what we learned last year at JTG, our first year together over at a new organization and with a different race car and different team. And so we're, I feel like we're more prepared, you know, going into the race. Um, you know, something that I do every week as well is uh, I talk to my good friend, Coach Freeze, uh, who's at Liberty University now, uh, that Ole Miss talk to him every week and he kind of gives me a pep talk and uh, just make sure that, you know, I stay focused throughout the race uh, because looking at some of the races last year, we had some really good runs and, you know, the mistakes that I made speeding on pit road, especially under green really took us out of contention for top tens. And uh, that's something that we can't do. Can't afford. So Ricky, this weekend, Martinsville, the night race, we hope it's a night race on Saturday night and rain stays away. Our buddy NASCAR all uh, our buddy NASCAR, this is who he calls in. He's the first caller every time on the show. He's called in, and he has a question about Martinsville for you. So, NASCAR, you are on with Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Go ahead with your question. Hey, Ricky, it's your boy NASCAR here. Let's talk Martinsville. We're going to hear a lot at Martinsville about brakes. So what is one thing that you as a driver inside the car can do? Be competitive, go to the front, but yet not overuse your brakes since it's so hard at Martinsville. Hmm. That's a great question. About halfway through uh, this week, we, I went, when I was at my team meeting, you know, brakes were an issue for us last year. And so we've made some adjustments to our race car uh, with brake pads and, um, you know, different, different brake settings that, that should help us. Uh, we got fans in the race car um, that you can put on the rotors, the calipers, uh, and the beads to, to help your car. A good handling race car definitely helps your brakes. You don't have to use them as much. But I would say for the most part, trying to keep your duration uh on the brakes uh, you know to a minimum so you can you can stand a spike in the brake pedal uh if you can get off of it quick uh it's that kind of maintaining uh that brake pressure that really gets them heated up so definitely could do things different as a driver to to keep them cool nascar i appreciate the question with ricky and uh ricky by the way before we let you go we're having a, a raging debate today <laughs> What are the four majors in NASCAR? Now that we're no longer uh, running the big oval at Indianapolis, I'm wondering your opinion 
on the four major races. Obviously, you're a golf guy, the Masters this weekend. Uh, what are the four major races in NASCAR, in your opinion? Well, obviously, the Daytona 500, Southern 500, and Coke 600. Um, <laughs> I would say either Bristol night race or you have to put the championship race in there. Oh, um, you didn't settle anything, man. I mean, Nate said <laughs> Bristol night race. Jeff and I say the championship race. Yeah, We're great. hoping that you would be the but deciding vote. But if you take vote. the championship race out of it, I would say a crown jewel would be the, the Bristol night race. There you go. That's the right answer, Ricky. Good job. Well, no, but that's he said take it I, out. That's one that I Meaning really want to win. So if, if, you took, if you took the Bristol night race out, it also would be the championship race, right? I'm just right. <laughs> but also, but also, if you threw the brickyard in there, still on the oval, I think I would rather have the Bristol Night Race. Uh, there you go. Hey, by the way, we have Ricky Carmichael coming on in a minute. Uh, could you take Ricky Carmichael in a moto head-to-head right now? <laughs> Negative. Negative. <laughs> you got you got age on your side, but you still couldn't do it. I know my it, boundaries. Huh? I know my boundaries. So that, that's, I can, that was a great uh, I'll go answer. Ride with them, but. I know. That's yeah. a great answer because if it had been yes, we would be setting up a race right now that we could still on Peacock. <laughs> so that was a great answer. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Always good hanging out with you. Good to catch up. And uh, congratulations on a great Bristol finish. And uh, good luck this weekend at Martinsville. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck, buddy. Right. Always fun hanging out with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who settled nothing in our debate, by the way, of the four <laughs> championships. He confirmed we're in the right crown jewel we're, we're having the right discussion. Yeah. We're having the right discussion. Um, yeah. uh, by the way, after the show, I'm headed straight to Indianapolis to spend two days with our next guest. Graham Rahal is coming up next here on Motor Mouse. We'll talk a little IndyCar testing at Indianapolis on the Big Oval. That's coming up tomorrow and Friday. We'll talk to Graham Rahal next. eBay Motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease and a whole lot of love. You transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The official start of the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series is fast approaching, and there's no doubt it has been on the minds of many all winter long, which for these incredible drivers is too long. Needless to say, they are more than ready to go. So one word for me to define our season coming up in 2021 would be pursuit. Total domination tonight. Repeat. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion. Resurgence and reminding everybody why he's an IndyCar champion. Let's go for a rebirth. And it is Sebastian Bourdais that is going to hold on to the lead. I think one word to describe is progress. This guy is going to be around for a long, long time. My theme really is learning curve. Jimmy Johnson is a seven-time champion who can pick and choose when and where he wants to race now. A fresh stop. Excitement. 
Execute. Focus. I'd like to see us fulfill our potential. The grinder. We are victorious, man! We did it! Milk. Pretty self-explanatory. There's one final hit out before racing for real begins. And there's no better place to fire up the engines than at the home of IndyCar, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Cannot wait to get the two-day test underway for the next couple of days at the Brickyard. And they, that guy on the right side of your screen will be there as well, Graham Rahal. How you doing, man? You ready for uh, two fun days at Indianapolis? I'm doing good, yeah. Thanks for having me. You're not driving currently, are you? That would be a bad idea, Graham. Just want to. I am not. I'm parked okay, in a parking cool. lot. That's good. I was, driving, parking I a... was driving to dinner, but I pulled over just for you. Well, you're such a nice guy. We appreciate yeah. that. Uh, you can bring where... us something to eat. We're hungry. Yeah, I know. Where's the Where's the dinner reservation tonight, Graham? Come on. Yeah, going to a sushi spot, man. I, you know me. I'm the biggest guy in the field. I got to have you know nothing to eat before, <laughs> I, before I get in tomorrow. Otherwise, oh, my Lord. Uh, busy couple days. We certainly hope the rain stays away tomorrow. But I want to know how you like this testing schedule. In essence, it's been four tests in four weeks for the IndyCar teams. Kind of feels like you're probably in midseason form at this point. Do you like the way the testing schedule was set up this year? Well, remember, though, it's different. You know, not everybody goes to every test. So, right. uh, you know, for instance, I think we did a Sebring and then we went to, uh, you know, we've been to Texas, um, you know, to run there on the Oval um, everybody sets up their, their schedule. Like we didn't go to Laguna. Some guys did go out to Laguna, uh, for that. So you kind of identify, we went to Alabama, for instance, you identify tracks that you think maybe were kind of weaknesses the year before, and you get some freebies. Now, obviously tomorrow and the next day are not, those are our mandated, uh, you know, event. If you're going to be a full-timer, you're going to be at Indy for the next couple of days. So I do hope the weather holds off. Uh, 17 of us were at Texas last week. And so, you know, a lot, but uh, certainly it'll be interesting to see how many cars and how good we are. Um, obviously, our team finished first and third in the 500 last year. See how good we are this time around. So uh, as you go through that evaluation, Graham, at this Indy 500 test, it's a little bit unusual to, to have this. Um, what's the goal for you guys over the next couple of days? Because it'll be more than a month before you're back on track at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Indy 500 practice, and you've got five races between now and then. But will you have much time to work on anything that you guys find over the next couple of days, or is it more like of a shakedown for you know, Texas coming up as the, the first oval race and just knocking the oval rust off? Well, it, I think we can learn quite a lot. There's been a lot of aerodynamic stuff, maybe not a ton that's changed from year over year, although the under tray, we're allowed to use more of the under tray, use the sidewalls and the, and the strakes and stuff like that. There's a little wicker we can put on the front of the underwing, which we weren't allowed last year. So there are some changes aerodynamically that we want to go through and see um, what they do on track. Some drivers did test those last fall. They did a uh, test, I think, in October-ish, um, you know, right right around the end of the season um, to see, you know, how those changes may, may be and to help really, you know, improve the racing. Indy last year was a great race, um, but obviously we'd like to see some more passing and everything else. So, um, you know, trying to adapt to that a little bit. So there is quite a bit to, uh, to learn, um, you know, over the next couple of days. As you said, I hope the weather stays clear. Uh, we do also like tomorrow is ROP and refreshers. So you've got rookie orientation and stuff like that as well. So the, the, the vets aren't on track all of the time, uh, but I do think I'll be pretty active and it should be pretty good to see. So, uh, you know, I'm obviously, you know, I've always been busy on Indy 500 weekend. 
Uh, but watching that race, it looks so difficult to win, such a challenge. Tell us why it is so difficult. What's unique about it? Just, uh, it takes, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, I, 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 there's a ton that goes into every element of it. I mean, you know, as well as anybody, it's uh, in racing in general, there's a lot of luck that goes into it. You've got to have the right car, the right strategy, the right pit stops, uh, and, and you got to have lady luck on your side. And frankly, last year, we did all of those things until the very last stint. Yes, we finished third, but the last stint, we put on a high stagger set of tires. Uh, my United Rentals car went pretty loose on the last stint. Um, and, and, you know, finishing third was great. But I do think, actually, that at the end of the race, you know, we did have the car to win. Um, you know, unfortunately, the way that it all played out, there was a yellow. So we don't even know, you know, was Dixie told me he was, you know, hit and miss on whether he was going to make it on fuel. Takuma, uh, my teammate, he pitted two laps before me. So I'd be surprised if he was going to make it on fuel. We were for sure good to go, but we didn't get to live that out. So, you know, in, in one way, Lady Luck was on our side. We finished third. We had a good day. But in another way, the last stint, we kind of messed up a little bit. So, you know, ultimately, uh, that's part of racing. Um, you know, but we want to go out there and refine, you know, our craft. Uh, you know, I, I said it in the, in the video to, to lead up, fulfill our potential. That's what we need to do this year. The 15 car has run up front a lot. And, uh, but unfortunately, we haven't been able to get a win in a couple of years. And we need to try to, you know, overcome that hurdle. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about, Graham. Uh, you know, following up on that, fulfilling your potential uh, and doing you know the team's jobs completely, like you haven't been able to do in the past. Like, what what will it take for you guys to correct, um, you know, not getting to the checkered flag and, and getting those victories like you did last last year? Well, you know, we uh, a lot, you know, a lot. I mean, if you go back to <laughs> 2019, you know, in 2019 we had a great shot at several races. Had some uh, had some little electronic, and that's the thing about these cars nowadays. A lot like the Cup cars, the advancement of, of technology and electronics that are starting to play a role. Um, you know, some things do start to play a factor. And unfortunately, a couple years ago, we had a throttle uh, at, at Barber that took us out of contention. Last year at Indy Grand Prix, we led the whole thing. I mean, we were the guys, and unfortunately, a yellow fell in the perfect position that Dixon was going to win it. Not only is Scott Dixon, you know, one of the best to ever do this, but he's also, you know, he had Lady Luck on his side that day, and I certainly didn't. So, but the thing is, our guys did a great job. Our pit crew worked awfully hard uh, to improve their craft. I've been working out in the gym, making sure that I'm ready on my side, keep my weight down, um, be ready to go. The engineering staff, it's all these little things to beat the Penske guys, to beat Ganassi, to beat Scott. Uh, you know, Penske, obviously, with, with McLaughlin, even has another bullet in their gun this year. So, We've got to be prepared for that. Andretti, Andretti at the end of the year had the best cars on the grid. Uh, they just kind of, you know, started a bit slow. We're going to have to make sure that we're on top of our craft, uh, make sure that every element of the game, you know, we're, we're on it. And, um, you know, th there's no doubt that we have the pace uh, and we've got the, the personnel and everything else to do it. Now we just got to actually do the doing it part. And I think that we're plenty capable of it. So you mentioned one of the rookies there. It's a very unusual rookie class in IndyCar this year. You've got Scott McLaughlin, multi-time uh, supercar champion. You've got Romain Grosjean, who's been on the podium and F1 a number of times. And you've got some guy named Johnson, who's won seven cup championships. Never heard of him. Um, what will the toughest test for Jimmy Johnson be, you think, in 2021 when he hops behind the wheel of an IndyCar? Well, I think the physicality. I know Jimmy's a super fit guy. Uh, but the physicality, uh, I know Romain Grosjean's already said that, that, you know, at the barber test, he's driven open wheel cars, Formula One cars, pull six, six plus G's. And he said at barber, he couldn't turn the steering wheel after 40 laps. Um, he was, he was toast. 
that's going to be an element. Jimmy is well prepared. As we all know, Jimmy's one of the fittest guys in the industry, you know, and he's done a ton of testing in the off season, a variety of stuff. That element is going to be tough. And just finding the limit, the capability, and the fine line of, of where you can dance on the tire and everything else uh, to get the ultimate performance out of these cars is tough. Um, he's going to do it. I, I have all the confidence in him, but it'd be like me jumping in a cup car, you know, going on an oval for the first time. I mean, I, you don't know where the limits are. Um, you, you know, in some places are harder than others. You know, Daytona might be a different challenge than going to Atlanta or Kansas or some of these other places. Uh, same, same for us, obviously, with the lefts and the rights that Jimmy will be doing all year. When he goes to St. Pete, that's a completely different animal than going to Nashville for the first time or going to Road America, you know, where you're cornering at 150, 170 miles an hour, you know, through the kink. Again, you know, everything's going to be a little bit of a different challenge. And this year they've limited a lot of the testing. They've limited a lot of the practice. So on some races, like Road America, we don't even have a practice on Friday. Mm. So it's going to be crunch time for him, you know, to show up on Saturday, practice twice, qualify, and then just go race. Uh, again, Cup's done the same thing, right? Actually, everybody, you know, we've all trimmed back on, on how much testing there is and how much practice or even qualifying or not qualifying at all. Uh, but that makes it just harder for guys to jump in and go. But you've got a stacked rookie class. I mean, you look at, like you said, Jimmy, uh, you know, great friend, great guy, great competitor. But Grosjean, you know, he's been in Formula 1 for, what, 12-plus years? I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. a heck of a driver to have that sort of career. Then you got Scotty McLaughlin, who's dominated V8 supercars since he entered it. And he's still, what, in his early 20s. Um, you know, great rookie class coming in. Uh, so real quick, we're having a fun debate on the crown jewels of NASCAR. Obviously, the Masters is this weekend. You're a golf guy. Your golf tournament in Indianapolis later uh, this year in May. What are the, are the four crown jewels in IndyCar, you think? Obviously, the Indy 500. What would the other three races be, would you say, Graham? Well, Indy 500 is above the rest. You, you, We all know that uh, as far as an IndyCar. Yeah. Um, I think Long Beach is second. Uh, Long Beach is a huge, huge, huge weekend. Mm -hmm. um, to me, you know, I, I'm a little biased, but I would say Mid-Ohio uh, is right there because of the, the, the history of, of Mid-Ohio. And I would actually say St. Pete is one that's climbing up there because there you go. You know, now, now you've got 20-plus years uh, of racing in St. Pete. Hard hard race, probably the hardest race of the year, the, one of the longest street course races of the year. And that's a bruiser. So to win St. Pete is always uh, – you know, it's always a big deal. And usually the season opener as well. So, uh, so yeah, so that yeah. You, you had that right with, uh, that, would, that would be on my list. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I knew you were going to pick mid Ohio. You're always, <laughs> and this year on July 4th, it's going to be a fun weekend. Can't wait for that one. No doubt. Should be great. Should be awesome. Yeah, should be good. All right, go order some sushi and, uh, we're waiting on our order. We'll see you tomorrow <laughs> in Indianapolis. Two fun days of testing on Peacock right here. Make sure you check it out tomorrow. I think we start tomorrow at 11 a.m. So, and we'll be yeah. on all day long. So I'll be bugging you for like nine interviews tomorrow. So we'll come hang no, out, okay? No worries. All right, man. All right, Graham Rahal joining us here on Motor Mouse. And uh, that was fun. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? It's so. a cool insight. And what Jimmy's, the challenges right. Jimmy's going to be up, a name we're yeah. familiar with, finding the limit of the car. Like, I, I hate to say this, you almost got to wreck. I mean, if, how do you find a limit of the car? You got to cross over it. And in an Indy car, when you cross over the limit, yeah. uh, there's and, not and a lot and, of forgiveness. And talking to Jimmy, like like Nate has, I've spent a lot of time with him with them saying IndyCar, and he's just like, I gotta convince myself I yeah. can do that. The car will let me do that. And he's crossed over that limit many times <laughs> in testing. <laughs> yes. I mean, just looping it and spinning and half spins and that sort of thing. But I think but, he yeah, feels a lot more rates. confident. Like he feels like he's in the same second bracket and he's in the 
ballpark at least, whereas before he was not. I think he made we'll a lot okay of Barber. I think St. Pete will be the real yeah. uh, a street course. As Graham uh, mentioned, the toughest race of the year. That'll, that'll be the big test. Well, listen, you're, the other thing is you're giving up tons of experience. Oh, yeah. I don't care how many races you run, how many championships you won. Saint, this, is, uh, this is Tampa's 20th year? Yeah. That's why, yeah, yeah. Okay, year, yeah. so how yeah. many times he been there? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He was there to watch. He was there as a spectator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he announced his sponsorship there last October. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, coming up next, the goat, the greatest of all time, Ricky Carmichael joins us here on Motormouth. Are you ready? Let's do it! Things happen so fast in Monster Energy Supercross. It's going to go for it. Cooper's going to go up the inside. Webb comes oh. across and blocks Roxanne. Webb wins in Houston. Unbelievable. Eli Tomac is a five-time winner at Daytona. And we are setting ourselves up for a beauty. Oh, they're going for it. And it will be Cooper Webb sweeping Arlington. Here comes Grave Digger. Gets the air. Nice. Gets it up. And she will land. Oh. He's got a big... Perfect momentum, great speed, and executed perfectly. Uh, the Supercross season has been fantastic. Round 13 comes from Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend, where it's supposed to rain all weekend. Joining us now, the GOAT, Ricky Carmichael. Uh, and it's going to include a monster truck uh, backflip. So any truth, Carmichael, and I know you've driven a monster truck before. Are you doing the backflip? Is that, that rumor true <laughs> yeah, or false? No. Oh, you know what? Man. You don't. Don't jinx us with the rain this weekend. Come on, man. Well, I was going to say, if it, if, it, if it rains, how does that change the game, Carmen? eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Michael. <laughs> well, it's going to change the game a lot, but you guys know better than anybody at the end of the day. <laughs> it always seems like the good guys seem to find their way to the front. Mm. So, so is it true that you volunteered to ride in the bed of the truck during the 360? <laughs> that's what I, that's what no. I just read. If it no? does, if it if it happens to rain, I'm gonna be up in that booth with uh, my man Lee Diffie, and uh, uh, we're gonna be calling some Supercross. So, yeah. so listen, the Supercross racing has been a lot of fun this year. The next five races, though, they're all outdoors, right? It was a lot of indoor events early. How does how I mean for a guy that doesn't know, how does that change the game? Who 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 does that favor? Well, it could favor anybody. At th at that point, it's anybody's game. So there's so many things that can happen. I mean, bike failures, you're falling down. At that point. 
it's really about survival. It's getting good starts, putting yourself in good positions and uh, being there at the end. There's a lot of points to be gained for certain riders, but there's also a lot of points to be lost. Uh, at this level, they're, they're all good. They're all great at, at mud, at hard pack conditions, tacky conditions, ruddy conditions. And uh, I will say that um, preserving your bike, making sure you're not too hard on the clutch. And what makes it hard, a lot of these um, clutches are hydraulic driven these days. So you don't really know just how hard you're on the clutch because the clutch keeps adjusting automatically to the perfect uh, position that you have. So that's always key these days in the mud races and uh, just being there at the end. But uh, these guys are aces at everything. And two of the big aces this year, Ricky, uh, obviously Cooper Webb, Ken Roxon. No one knows more about championship duels and Supercross than you do. Um, I, I, I love this mano a mano duel and, and uh, Supercross this year. I love the fact that these guys feuded a little bit after Daytona. Webb is unbeaten since then, and Roxon had a little bit of a stumble, but he's had a couple of podiums. I'm curious about your thoughts. Is, is Webb still in Roxon's head a little bit, and does Roxon need to, to take charge a little bit more uh, over these final five events to, to make the championship push? Great, uh, great, great, great question, Nate, and observation. Yeah, he, he's got to. I mean, if, if Cooper Webb is able to beat Ken the next couple rounds, well, then then Cooper Webb is in a position at that point to where he's just got to ride it out. I mean, you can see these these changes right here, and Cooper Webb has really gotten the best of Ken Rocks, and I'm interested to see for Ken how this two-week break has been. If you remember, he sat out the motocross championship in hopes that that was going to be the key ingredient for this season's Supercross to get, finally get him over the finish line and win that championship. I, I mean, let me tell you something. This guy number two right here, Cooper Webb, I mean, he is a warrior. He is a fighter, and he will wear you down. He plays games with you. He'll get behind you and practice and follow you and just irritate you. And uh, he's really got every every uh, facet of the game figured out, and that's what makes him so so tough. And it always seems like he races with a chip on the shoulder. And the one key thing that Cooper Webb does really well is if, if his bike isn't working right, he doesn't let that phase him. He goes out there and still makes it happen. Where some guys, if things aren't just right, it really snowballs and they can't really seem to get a hold of it. But uh, it's go time for Ken Roxon. There are no more excuses left and he has got to straight get after it. Ricky fans can check everything out 3 p.m. Eastern Saturday on NBC, but a new venue at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So when a new venue is thrown into a championship battle like this, what kind of curveball is that for the riders? I think it's going to be huge. Well, first of all, I think all the riders are excited to go to Atlanta Motor Speedway. I know I am. Um, <laughs> I love that place. Had some, I got the pole there back in the day, beat my old buddy Clint Boyer for where I was the last guy to go out and somehow got lucky. Uh, in the truck series, but um, these guys are excited. You know, a lot of these dudes, they've been going at it for a long time. So when there's something new, they really like, they really, really like that. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, I think the track is going to be really, really fast. No, let's not lose sight of Eli Tomac, our defending Monster Energy Supercross mm -hmm. champion. He had this on his schedule to where he thought, hey, I think this is really going to play into my part. I think it's going to because the track is going to be really, really fast and a little bit more open compared to what we normally see in an enclosed stadium. But nevertheless, it's a great opportunity for these guys in Atlanta Motor Speedway. And I, I don't know, man, I'm starting to see a trend. We got Daytona. Now we got this at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Heck, we might be doing uh, Supercross and NASCAR same weekend, same venue. That'd be fun. <laughs> 
Bring it on. Bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, hey, we, had, we had Graham Rahal on, uh, and he was talking about the physicality of driving an IndyCar. And when I watch Supercross, it is amazing to me how strong and tough these guys are. Explain to us what it feels like on the last four or five laps of a race. What is your body going through? I mean, I don't understand how these guys do it week in and week out. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, uh, Jeff, is that you just, you know, like week in and week out. What people don't understand, the thing about Supercross is it's during the week grind. These guys race on Saturday. They won't ride on Sunday. Uh, maybe ride a little bit on Monday, then they're racing again Tuesday. Well, then they'll ride maybe one more time in between. They go back Saturday. So there's a lot of risk and a lot of laps. But, I mean, your heart rate is just pumping the whole time. Fatigue is starting to set in, especially if you got someone jacked up on you behind you. Uh, you just, you know, you're holding on tight. Your arms feel like Popeye. They're pumped up. Your forearms are full of blood. And uh, it's, a, it's an extremely uh, physical sport, and, and not only that, mentally, but physically, it's tough, man. you got to have some serious cardio and fitness involved. If you're not, you're going to get left in, the, left in the dust. Ricky, you and Lee Diffie have a great time this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, by the way, Stenhouse, at any time he want to, you want to challenge him to a moto, he's good for that. So, <laughs> All right, yeah, bring it we on. We asked him, he said, no way, no way I can beat the GOAT. No way I can beat the GOAT. So catch those guys yeah. Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern from Atlanta Motor Speedway on NBC Sports. Fun show day today, guys, but we got to go. We'll see you guys later. See you on Monday. We wrap Martinsville. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.